to Exponential Finance, the podcast covering finance, technology and innovation, from our home in Japan and beyond. Sync is looking to lead the way in smart open banking, allowing users to instantly open a current account in British pounds or euros in minutes and to provide them with the ability to open up more than 30 other currency accounts. Users are able to exchange currencies between their accounts at the best rates and transfer money worldwide at unbeatable rates. Sync's unique selling proposition is to allow users to synchronize all of their financial accounts, bank, credit, loan and mortgage accounts, in one app, as one experience by utilizing open banking. Through budgeting, managing and tracking all of their accounts and expenses in one place, Sync offers their users unrivaled user experience as a money management platform and becomes their financial advisor of choice. And now, please welcome Ricky Lee the founder and CEO at Sync, and previously the creative mind behind the customer experience at Lloyd's Banking Group and Revolut. Hey Ricky, good morning. Yeah, good morning. How are you? How's it going? I'm fine. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. You've done quite a few of these things and you're probably somewhat diametrically opposite. So you're the super creative type and I'm anything but creative. So it should make for an interesting conversation. What I know from my creative friends is that they don't like to do the same thing over and over again. They want to do something new and something better. So in what respect is Sync going to be better than anything that you've done before? So banking has always been very business-led, very corporate. Now you've got this creative guy that's trying to put the customer first, meaning that customer experience is first. It has to be pretty because that actually brings in customers. And then on top of that, we have to follow trends. So we know, like you said, constantly this guy that is the one that shouts out and leads the way is always changing the application to keep on trend and up and going but at the same time you've got investors to keep happy you you need the money so it's hard you know what's hard for a creative person that it needs to be perfect and and we always try to find perfection when it doesn't really exist because when you get there you go oh these guys have done this oh actually this piece is a very good idea And then your developer will come up one morning and say, Ricky, I found this code that does this. Okay, how long? Uh, Two two months. Developers never know what a deadline is. So then it goes into four months, you know? So good point that you raise that because it's so true. (laughs) You need a really good symbiotic relationship with your technology team for that to work. And so did you bring your head of technology with you? How did you find each other? We've had a bit of a crazy way. We we started with one type of team. So someone I kind of knew from my past from other companies that I thought would be a very, very good person to lead the company with the development team wasn't up to scratch. And unfortunately, we had to let go many of them, but also because we had the opportunity of, you know, Thomas Cook went down last year. So unfortunately, but very fortunately for us, we met many of the team. They had like a travel card called the light card. And that team was back in Spain. And we made contact with a couple of them. I flew over there, met them and brought 11 in one go. And in Spain now in our office over there, we're like 20 odd people and all developers. So we were very lucky to actually have found someone from my homeland, the south of Spain, Malaga. And we built an office there with an incredible senior development team. So they're all my age. Fantastic place to live and work-life balance is fantastic, no? 
Yeah, and I think right now we're very lucky because um, with COVID, it, we've realized that we don't have to be like, today I'm here. I was actually due for business. I was in Dubai now in October. From one week, I stayed three weeks and it was part business. I just realized, you know what? I could stay an extra week, get some work done here. It's sunny, it's warm. And it was a whole totally different lifestyle because I was going home at three in the morning. I was on a terrace, sitting, designing, getting some work done. And I was so creative. So I think that as a business owner now, I've realized that I'm trying to look for balance with our team and how can we make them more creative and happy hey send them to our other office and now we're opening an office in qatar in doha so it's like guys do you want to go there for two three weeks yeah come on i think that would be really good you know last year i spent a lot of time in tokyo i've traveled to tokyo like six times yeah um we've got our contacts there we were just about to set up our office and take part of the development team over there. We've made contact with Visa and MasterCard there, the different Accenture and the different Chamber of Commerce of the UK. But Tokyo's not prepared yet. We were sitting with MUFG. We had investment lined up, but we were like, mm, Revolut's launched there. So let's see how they do. And then we will take the decision. I think it's an incredible market. Tokyo, I, I really like personally. You've got, you know, PayPay that came out there, spent X, Y, Z amount of money, giving everything for free. And that's when you think, should I spend the money there? Or is there other markets a bit more interested, a bit more mature? Because, you know, when I, when I was at Revolut, we were, what, the seventh in the market, if you wanted to include us with the Transfer Go, like the Transfer Wise and some other other fintechs out there. And it doesn't always mean that you have to be the first. You know, when I designed the first screens of Revolut, it was an idea of currency fair on how to do it on the cloud. And it was all new. But now with the competition in the market and countries like Tokyo, you know what the problem with Tokyo is? I was thinking... And Revolut has the problem, and I'm sure, is skills. That I'll be honest, I feel the people that I interviewed when we were going to bring in the office, it was too like this right now. The fintech world was very, you know, we, we, we support each other, we do hours. No, you have to finish at the hour and you have to sign out. And, and I was like, the community, that's how we work as a startup. So I'm like, okay, let others come up, see how they do. And then maybe we're more in a position in the future. Makes total sense. And Japanese UX design is, of course, an expression of the culture and how people interact. But it's very different from the Western minimalist design. It drives me nuts when you go to the web pages and all the boxes and clicks, etc. It must kill you completely. As a designer, it does. Yeah. It, because my eyes go everywhere and I'm like, and the thing is, everything is red. So everything has importance, you know, and you're like, okay, which, which is the first step? And then you talk like with MEFG because they were going to be our supporters. It just, our vision didn't align, if you saw what I mean. I'm like, you guys are really not ready yet. And I had a tough job in the UK, getting it ready. It's been 10 years for me getting the banks ready. I've designed and architected four of the major mobile banking apps and worked with the teams. So I've been, you know, my first project with NatWest, it was, it was a nightmare. So going to Tokyo right now, I think it's not there yet, but it's getting there. I do feel Middle East is a region that is adapting quite quick. I see it. It's funny, I can't tell you more, but it's, I, I just feel it, you know? 
In Asia, you're used to having Line or WeChat and 100 things into one, and that application has to do 200 things, but no. And like the QR code is going to be hitting here, and I guarantee you, COVID now has accelerated to understand what a QR code is. On our app, it's the main area. Press the QR code because it's the only way we can kind of jump Visa and MasterCard fees and create this closed loop, and especially between fintechs. We don't have to rely on SWIFT. And if you look at it, Visa, MasterCard, SWIFT, they're all American companies. So how are they going to tap into the market in China or Europe? Europe should be looking at their own payment network. We'll see how that comes out. (laughs) My model is slightly different to Revolut in the way of Revolut wants to be independent. I totally respect it and and I think it's great. But you know very well, we're Westerners and you've adapted to the culture and that's good. But... When you're taking another product and it's in certain places like we're now discussing with Mexico, it's a very competitive landscape. But if I've got a bank behind us and they've got skin in the game, they will make sure to open doors. The only thing we need is not money. There's plenty of investors out there to invest into us. What we need is opening doors. And in the market, that's not a Western market. That's not English spoken, like maybe Australia. It's very far from Britain and Europe and US, but they have the same culture. So Japan and with MUFG, the vision wasn't aligned. They wanted too much of us for now. We have to be independent, but we want you on board. But it was a contract per life on selling only their products. And I feel that at the end of the day, we would not be giving the end user the perfect customer experience. We wouldn't be transparent because it's sync by MUFG. Got it. Coming back to the Middle East ones, there seems to be lots going on in the Middle East, and it's a region I'm not familiar with at all. So we've just joined the first Qatar Accelerator, FinTech Accelerator, and it's very good because we are the only European and and, and challenger bank out there, especially advanced where we have 30 currencies and people can do so much with us. The problem also with Think is just like many other challenger banks, wherever we go, we can take our processor, we can issue... But we need an acquirer. We need to be on top of the bank structure. Because if we're just a PayPal wallet, you can't really receive your banks can't pay or companies can't pay into your account because you haven't got an IBAN or an account. So we've been touching UAE now for the last year and a half. I've been going back and forth. So UAE, I'm almost there. I won't say much yet, but I'm almost there with the right partner. The problem with a lot of these countries is everyone wants so much of you. And there's so many middlemen and it's hard. I mean, it's it's very hard. And another thing you have to think that they see this, you see a square piece of desert and that's where they see the money. Oh, we can build around it. I know my friend and and that is going to give me a yield on the next 25 years because we're building a hotel of so many stores. But now they see in companies like Nubank, 10 billion, Revolut, 5 billion, these other ones, 1 billion, even the 1 billion unicorns are more than their really well-positioned piece of desert next to the city center because it will never reach those type of valuations. But then they give you a touch of reality. And you know what that is? Yes, you've got all these valuations over there and in fintech, and that's good. But who's willing to pay those valuations? Because it's so true. I can now say, yeah, we've got X amount of users and we're worth 5 billion and we've beaten others that have taken longer to get there. But have you got offers to be bought at that price by other bigger companies? Because it reaches a point when you're 10 billion, who's going to buy you? 
BBVF just sold their arm with an incredible balance sheet in the US for 11.6 billion. It's got assets, it's got something to back them up. What are you buying? Chime for 14 billion? What is it? Just software with a load of expenses? This is another thing that actually opened my eyes when I was told, I'm like, you know, good point. You're only worth that when you've got someone that's willing to pay for it. Very true. You know, you've got the challenger banks now, we call them the second wave. And we've been building sync two years in our cave, basically, before going live. We wanted to go live now this year that we have, but we've done a very soft launch. I'm very happy, actually, with the cover we've had. We've saved our marketing campaign until we see COVID's kind of cleared a bit more because we just feel it's the waste. You know, I see the people around me, right? People are not that happy. People are locked down. People can't travel. People can't really do what they want to do. So, yes, we have to innovate and catch up to times, but we don't feel that we have to spend the big money to make ourselves heard. Also, to compete against the likes of Monzo, Starling and and N26 and Revolut, of course, I would compare more with the banks because that's where we want to be. Revolut's still like more of a travel product. You have to do what they do. And that's Sync. We give you not just your GBP or Euro account. We give you your Japanese yen and your Australian dollar and your US. So we give you 30 currencies with IBANs. But apart from that, we will always have a problem with trust. Where we are heading is we want to work with the banks. We want you as a user, if you're someone like myself living in London, that's lived in Spain in the US, Ricky, I've got my BBVA, I've got my Amex from Spain, I've got my Citibank still from the US, and I've got one bank and one credit card, plus I've got a Revolut in um, the UK, so I can connect all my financial accounts. Plus, I've got a mortgage account I forgot about, but I I like to forget about that one because, you know, (laughs) that's where my money goes. But yeah, it's good to have all these financial accounts into Sync. And Sync helps me manage and synchronize all these accounts in one. Hey, Ricky, you've got these three payments next week, one coming from here. And then with the PISP element, you can move money from one bank to another through us. And that's where we're focusing. We're focusing to develop much better the PISP element of open banking. And not just from one UK bank to another, because that's easy. That's GBP to GBP. It's actually GBP to SMBC in Japan, that's Tokyo, that's actually um, Japanese yen, and we will do the exchange and deposit in Japanese yen. And that's where we see the future with, you know, international neobanks. There are these statistics out there on UK and European open banking and how many ARSPs, PRSPs are there. And there aren't many on the PRSP side. I wouldn't say it's a greenfield, but clearly people haven't really discovered that yet. So if that's your positioning, then I understand the value proposition much better, I think. Will you need a money transfer company in the future? You know, will you need the likes of a Western Union or MoneyGram or transfer, even TransferWise? Because I don't have to go and give it to this company and this company will give me a price and then send it the next day. We can do it via open banking. So that's the powerful bit of the whole open banking element. Plus, I think still nowadays, if you look at all the neobanks, they're very similar. They all run into investment and stocks or wealth products. We open you a currency account in minutes or a GBP or euro account in minutes. Great. So many of them do the same. And you know what? Only 4% of the world of users understand and like to trade and stocks and investments. My mum and dad doesn't. My mum wants good peer-to-peer products. She wants maybe how to split a bill properly between countries, a few currencies, 
and someone to help her manage and save marketplace type of products. And I think that's where a lot of the challenger banks are failing, where they can actually really make money on aggregating banking products from different banks and sell them what they can afford. Give me a loan, or I've got this other two loans. Could I have this other loan, get these out at a better rate? Help me. I think that's the big question, you know, and the big ask of many companies and neobanks are kind of not covering. I found it interesting that you took your mom as the example. So need to dig a bit deeper on that. My pet peeve with the neobanks or all these challengers is that they seem to go after the millennial type of target group. It's in Japan, but you've seen other statistics in the US or in the UK that the young people are not very well off and the old people until they pass away will sit on all the cash. And like if you look at Japan, for example, the forecast is by 2030, 46% of the personal wealth will be with people over 75 years old. You haven't really seen a solution For those, everybody seems to target the young ones because then you have a long customer life ahead of you. So I didn't want to read too much into you taking your mom as an example, but which segment are you targeting? I really like this subject because, again, you've nailed it. Every fintech that comes out there, don't get me wrong, millennials are great. It's like the gaming industry. It's great. Difference is games develop and you pay for them because it costs a lot of money. Fintechs have gone into a habit to give away their product for free. What happens now is you've got this company that does incredible travel and we give it for free. Let's give it into bank rate, kill everyone else. This other company, I can open a bank account in minutes and give you a free account and a free debit. And you know how much money it costs to send a debit card out? Just the acquisition cost is around eight quid. KYC, send, post, print the card, eight pounds. And you're giving it for free. You don't even know if they really want it. Maybe they're just testing your product and you're giving the product for free. If Nike was free, it said, oh, come into our shop. We'll always give you something for free to try to acquire you as a user. It devalues the brand, right? So this is where I'm not in agreement with fintechs to give away for free. Millennials are great from word to word to get them. They try your product, they speak, but they are the poor side of a country. Because they're young still, they're not there, they're not professionals, they're students or they're growing into it. That's 21% of the population in the UK. 20% is the older. These are the ones that are going to go and buy a property for 400,000 euros in the south of France or Spain. These are the people that actually need to trade or will bring your product into their business. So why aren't you targeting this customer base? We did two cards and they glow in the dark. We innovated on it because the back of the card, for security purposes, we don't print any details. Everybody in the world has the chip and the MasterCard. When you turn them around, they've got the signature panel. We've got our MagStripe technology hidden where you can't see it. But guess what? We did too, thinking this is more for the older people. You know what they love? They love this one. Interesting. That's our research. Out of everyone we've researched, the olders are saying... Ricky, there's nothing designed there out there for us. You know, when we travel, when we actually do, what about insurances? So we are tapping into that market. And I always say, you have to design for your mum and dad. If they understand the user experience and they understand what you're offering exactly, the rest will understand it. You know, mums and dads, absolutely everyone. Totally. 
Wow, that's the first. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, to be honest, we've had dedicated a bit of advertising for the older people. We really push for them. HSBC would never say no to a student or to an older pensioner. Same for us. Over COVID, the neobank term has gotten a bit stale and people have maybe not turned against it, but it's another neobank. And I start through this conversation to understand how different it is and refreshingly different. So that's pretty cool. Also, what we're doing is we are very based from the beginning with packages. The card I just showed you now was actually the free card and it comes with an incredible offering. But then you've got this beautiful card. This one costs around £13 a month. It comes with loads of banking services. So give you an idea, banking does not give you money. It costs money. It costs us to take you as a user and it takes us a long time to make money off a user. How banks are betting is that you come on board, we will spend the money and we'll give you a branch and we give you this customer support, hoping you take a credit card or loan or walk you through your life Times are changing. Banks now can't afford to put in that investment into customers because before we did stay with our bank for life. Now people will change because it's easier. What we're doing, we're putting all these benefits into one card. So you just have to switch on. We know how old are you, where you live, what you do because of your data. With companies like Nordigen, like you said, and others, and what we do, we can study that behavior. And then what we do, we put all these banking services. So you just switch it on. You don't have to worry. That's where we're going down. We emerge between a challenger bank and a credit card because nobody is tapping into the credit card market. You've got great companies like Amex that are kings of the credit card market, but they drive me insane. In custom experience, the application is awful. The phone customer support is incredible. I think that, yeah, that's something all of us have to learn from. Amex customer support is great, but all the rest, their point system. Oh, give me cash back in money. Explain to me, because I've just spent £7,000 and what you've given me is a £40 flight then back in points. And you've decorated it in a way that I'm getting something for it. And guess what? Customers like us, we're not stupid anymore. We're catching up. So they have to innovate. So that's where we're going. I hope you can see the differentiator. What you're saying essentially is forget about the plumbing and you're reducing banks really to the dumb pipes would create an interesting and appealing layer on top. Yeah, you have your prior banking relationships, but ultimately you're going to forget about it because you're interacting through this appealing sync interface. Yeah, 100%. And banks have to adapt. The taxi industry was a very closed industry, protected, uh, the car industry. Tesla's taken over the two major Mercedes and BMW in one year in cars and give it to him. Elon is an incredible personality to have done what he's done. He's gone against the two biggest, hardest industries that has got involvement in politics. That's the car and the oil industry. Everything is possible banks wait till google and apple come out with their neobank solutions there's going to be many of us without a job and many banks will be left behind because if apple came with their kind of bank tomorrow i would bank with them why because they've got more money than a bank i feel that they respect me more than a bank they are more technically advanced so every year they give me up to date because that's what we do our banks 
can't keep up to date in technology. And there's so much more. They understand my personality, gender equality, and all this going on and recycled products. You know, Apple keep to the forefront. And the day these guys come on board, there's going to be many challenges. It's all over. And these banks have to work as a banking structure because we have to work on them. But if I can only see, and I can name now three banks that are ready for this transformation, all the others, because we will change, you know, like all these animals, these bulls coming together, going from one bank to another. I can see that happening because they'll give me discounts on Apple products. Google will give me discounts on them. Amazon, that's another big company to fear. Because if I use their card in Amazon that we use it for everything nowadays, they're going to give me a discount. They're going to know what I spend on, give me discounts on Black Friday for that. So I think it's all down to data and more on the B2B. And I think banks are losing out on that vision. They need more people like us that are building. We've left the banks to build our own challenger banks, but they should actually start thinking to purchase us or collaborate and how to actually change this market. A bit like the embolden story. If it doesn't work, then I just go and build it myself. For me, it was never the technology. It was the people. People build products and good teams build good products. At the end of the day, we've got this market that's full of people that can do, can do, can do, but never do. That's the problem. I always believe that, you know, you look at why Revolut is where it is. It's because, you know, Nikolai's got a very good team behind him. He's a pusher. He makes things happen. And you have to give it to a company like that. Devoted their life. There's five, six people in there that I know very well. And these guys are incredible. It's putting the right team together. And that's been my focus. Getting the right team together to take always the company to the next level. Now, let me ask you a bit about company culture, the certain aspects of the Revolut culture that one reads about that don't necessarily make it appealing, just purely looking in from the outside as a good place to work. I won't ask you to comment on Revolut. When you think about the culture that you want to have at Sync, what construct of the culture are you desiring for your team? Look, it's a hard question because if you're unhappy at a company, Don't wait to get fired. Leave. Leave. Because you need to get up in the morning and enjoy going to work and with the team you work. So when I hear, oh, the culture at XYZ is bad. Look, I was at a couple of them and it was great. We work in teams. So why is the company bad when you're working with a team on the trading side or the currency side or your Remember, we don't work as an army building a product. We have 32 people and we have three teams. And we've even got at this seed stage, we've got a data team, you know, with five people. But then we're not doing the web portal. Or we, so if one bad apple comes out in one, you're not working for a company. When we employ someone, I always say, when I employ Ricky Lee, it's Ricky Lee Limited. I've studied, my parents have helped me study. I'm coming to a company not to be told what to do, to tell them what to do. That's why I'm going to work, because I'm going to develop what I've studied, what I know best. And that is one of the big problems, that we go into companies, okay, uh, yeah, I am X, Y, Z of a, what do I do today? No, this is how we work, but we need you to develop and bring new ideas. And I think that's where onboarding goes. 
And the senior team, I'm very important, like positive every day. I bring in a smile. I push the team to the limit because, you know, I don't expect you to do 100%. But there's days sometimes if we want to compete against these big first wave of fintechs and the banks, the only weapon we have, because we haven't got the money, the only weapon we have is organization. It's not even skills. It's organization. If you organize properly and you make your hours out in a day, you can advance and you can come out with more features than others. Because, you know, I feel that we've innovated in five incredible things. And, you know, three have been already taken from other companies. That's what we do. Don't get me wrong. That's what we do. Okay, we take the best. If, we, if I see something, it's a shame that you put a lot of effort, a lot of work in, and then another company with a lot of money can just come rip it off in a month and put it out. And you're never known. You never actually get your team to be recognized for that incredible piece of work. So time to market is everything. I feel that I've learned enough, especially in the banking industry and tech, to work with teams. So if you're going to be working on the currency element and we can guarantee that in the next six months, we're going to have 30 currencies and they will be able to exchange at this rate and whatever. And this other team is going to do the split bill feature and whatever else. And we put deadlines and those deadlines are not met. It's, It's my head or it's theirs. If it's not met and we've given time, something's wrong. What's happened? We haven't been hacked. We haven't had an external problem. It's because we have not known how to make meet deadlines. And when you've got hundreds of thousands of users using your product that could be in Japan right now, it's not getting money out of sync. You've got a very angry customer. We could have caused a big problem to that person. That's how I see it. We are 24-7 product. We can't come, oh, no, these are my hours. No, they are. Then come in a bit later. But we have to adapt. That's why you've joined a challenger bank, is we're challenging a part of a bank. And it could be customer support, it could be technology, it could be anything. Let me get back to the funding with one question, because there still is such a liquid market. There's so much money slushing around the private equity funds. I assume also with what you've built already, with the track record that you have, if you really wanted to, you could raise more money. You're not doing this. You're trying to live within the constraints and the constraints often also create creativity, good solutions. What would you do differently if somebody gave you 15 million series A now or so? Two parts of that question. One quickly is if I had an opportunity and I had to go back, it's beautiful what we're doing. But so many players have come into this industry that I think Visa and MasterCard have diluted the fintech industry and it's cheapening it because there's so many of us doing the same. It's not good, but that's what democracy is, right? It's give the opportunity. You know, that's why there's thousands of pubs and thousands of bars and they're all on each corner. And I get it. No problem. I would have gone back and I would have tapped into the market more on the B2B side. There's so much, like what Nordigen's doing, there's so much broken with the payment schemes. There's so much broken in the processing. If you knew when you do a a transaction how that comes and you have to actually settle in that currency in the next day and it's still Excel sheets, my God, like as a product guy, I, I see dollar signs, I see opportunity. So anyone listening, that is an incredible market to run into. Forget about looking at this card and saying, oh, but I want to own, I want to be part, I want to be able to say that I am part of that. Yeah, it's good, but you're also part of 
actually changing the market, making it more easier and more safer because the scams and the frauds have gone up enormously. And they will even go up more with all these challenger banks coming in. So that's the first point. Second, yes, we're raising Series A. We were very lucky to raise a total of investment of 5.5 million on the seed round. We mentioned it in August. We couldn't mention it in March when we did it because of COVID. It was a very bad part of the year. And we couldn't launch on the 1st of March how we wanted to because, again, so we kept our heads down, just kept on working and got Android done and launched two platforms in August. Yeah, we're raising the 15 million now. It's for the team. We see the demand. We've had to block any new users registering right now. We've now put an early access code and that gives us time to breathe. Also Brexit, what's happening with Europe. So again, we're passporting a bit of our license, making sure we're bulletproof in case Brexit doesn't go right. We need that money to actually launch our premium accounts properly. And in our secret You know, that's the business accounts. I really, it's my little baby business accounts. I feel I understand what a business would want in the customer experience side and actually bringing open bank into it and the QR payments. Wow. Looking forward to 2021 to actually launch these two. And yeah, we're very near to get something closed very soon. I think that is a great ending note. I should not ask any further questions. Really appreciate that, Ricky. Great conversation. No, thank you.